Who's introing? My introing? Yeah, do it. Okay. Welcome back to Advanced BS, the show where three guys talk about one thing for a whole month, and we're at the end of the month where we're finishing up on the, well, it's, it's sort of the end of the month. We're second to the end of the month. Second to the end but, of the month. But the, but the fifth week. What am I doing? Hi. Hi. Hello. The end of this month, the end of this topic, yes. which is Caleb's birthday topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caleb. Who's Caleb? That guy over there? That oh, that's guy. me. I'm this guy. You can hear my voice now. I'm Steve. And then I am Gerald. That's Gerald, uh, Logan's voice twin. Yep. Because mm-hmm. that's a thing that exists. <laughs> <laughs> they don't look anything alike, but they're voice twins. We're, we're vocal. Vocal. Real vocal twins. We're real vocal twins. It's real vocal doppelgangers. But Caleb, what so was your birthday topic? Show comes out, Gerald. Vocal gangers. That's a word. Uh, uh, my birthday topic was the 27 Club, which I was so optimistic about and then realized, oh, I'm just going to talk about young musicians who died for a whole month. But I liked it because after the first episode, we It makes really... me feel no. powerful. Uh, <laughs> I'm outlasted. I've done something other people haven't by making it to 30. Um, oh, wow. But, no, but... I liked it because it does explore the life of these people, and yeah. it is amazing to find out these people who died at 27, just the lives they led, especially because a lot of them didn't get popular until they were like 22 yeah. or 23. Like, but, it, it, and like, I, I don't mean to sound callous, but for a lot of them, it makes sense that they died at 27, considering like what a lot of them did for like four years mm-hmm. right before that, and it was like, well... Yeah, you played it real hard. Yeah, <laughs> you played it. Re- you played it real fast and loose. Yeah, yep, for, yep. for just a couple of years. Yeah. So I, I'm amazed by the people who do that and still make it to like 50 and 60. Yeah, I mean Keith, Keith Richards is the prime example of <laughs> yeah. like someone who just defies logic. I think we talked about it before. I think the 27 Club is the start of Keith Richards gaining other people's powers. Yes, he did know it's, Jimi it's, Hendrix. It's what is yeah. It's what's kept him alive. Mm-hmm. Is outliving everyone else yep um but today we're kind of we've got three more to talk about that we haven't hit on yet uh janice joplin kurt cobain and amy winehouse and so uh each of us are going to talk about one of them right now at the same time yep we're just going to do all three at the same time for the next hour so so i hope you enjoy it so yep. all right and uh, let's begin I was just really pleased that we all okay. actually chose a different one. Yeah, no, no, because I in front of me. You, that was like, good on you. Yeah. Uh, who are we starting with, though? Let's. I figured we'd start with Janis Joplin and round out since she died the same year as Jimi Hendrix. They both died. Right, because we because that was last episode we talked about Jimi Hendrix. Right. Within, within three weeks. Yes, and we actually oh, that's right. we got a little bit chronologically out of order with doing Jim Morrison first because he did die the year after uh, Jimi and Janis Joplin. But the reason I think we should stick to Janis Joplin she was, is she was a, she was in a, like a Jim sandwich. It was Jimmy and Jim. Was wait, wait was I think Hendrix she died. First? She died before Jimmy. Oh, oh, yeah, I thought she was. After. Yeah, so we're actually kind of going all, completely reverse of the seven. Maybe an open face sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah that works. Um, but the other thing is, is her life intertwined so much with Jim Morrison and Jimi Hendrix too that we'll kind of play on some of the same things we already talked about in those episodes. Whereas when we get to Kurt Cobain and Amy Winehouse, that's a whole different genre of music a whole different world around them um so janice joplin janice lynn joplin was born in 1943 in texas um she kind of had 
her childhood wasn't terrible until she got into middle school, high school. She was always seen as kind of an outcast. <laughs> I that starting of her childhood wasn't terrible until. <laughs> Sorry. Well, it's just, uh, she, like, she got into high school and she was shunned. She was very artistic. She was very much into painting oh, and artistic. reading. Okay. She was artistic, yeah. Not like what we assume Jimmy might have um, But she was always an outcast. And one of the reasons in Texas, this being, she was born in 1943, so we're talking the 50s now. Um, she, I'm trying to think of like a nice way to put it. Like racially, she didn't see color. She was right. friendly with anybody, no matter what. And in Texas in the 1950s, that was yeah. not looked at kindly. Yes, like, yeah, like... Liking black people in the 50s in the South didn't make you a lot, Popular. Of, a lot of friends. It, yeah. In, and in, in the white community, it made you, it made you right. friends in the black community. And her, her quote that she said about her high school is, I was a misfit, I read, I painted, I thought, and I didn't hate yeah, a anyone, very racially anyone, charged anyone. word. I didn't hate N-words. And yeah. And, and, which is so funny that even the... <laughs> <laughs> the, that her looking back on it, she the, uses the it. The progressive people at the time too. But I, like, oh no, I totally like. It. But I think she was saying it is uh, mocking yeah, a, a the, the society around yeah, that's her. True. Um, and she in high school grew very fat. Her skin broke out so bad it left scars. So no, she was so isolated. Um, people called her pig freak. They called her inward lover. Um, just all this stuff in in school. They they basically just. Taunted my, her. And my little chuckle her. there, by the way, was how uh, how uncomfortable you were saying "n word lover." I'm... Not not at the thought of that phrase. Right. I just wanted to clear up that I'm not just like <laughs> "n word lover." What a great. I'm just so like I I just can't believe there's a time that that's getting screamed at people, and I'm just yeah. I, I'm, really I well I know but you can't believe no a time? I know there was it's just I mean that's happening now still I know. Yeah. I it's. Like it. Any... It's sad realizing how how far we haven't come. I know, I know. Um, but two of her classmates, uh, famous classmates in her high school, were Jimmy Johnson, the coach of the Dallas Cowboys, <laughs> um, and G.W. Bailey, if you don't know who that is, he's a famous actor. Probably his most well-known role, sadly, is the sergeant or the commandant on Police Academy. He's that guy. He's the, the kind of asshole-ish guy he was on mash he was on other stuff as kind of the uptight yeah leader he's the one that really butted heads with uh with a gutenberg gutenberg yeah yeah uh so that was him so both of them were in the same class as janice joplin um i don't know where they stood on the <laughs> <laughs> on the issues of the on day. the issues in that high school oh i didn't say uh i don't know uh, they uh, and that's it. Just said she, they went. I wasn't saying they were one of the people taunting her. Like they right, right. were just in the same class as her. Yeah, but if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the I, problem. I don't. Know. And also, Jimmy Johnson like never left Texas. So. Yeah, he stayed there for <laughs> uh, until he coached the Dolphins. Oh, that's true. Uh, so he so he went to an even weirder place, <laughs> Florida. <laughs> um, but she basically made it through high school. She was very alone. She basically sang. Uh, she. <laughs> the end she basically <laughs> sang and, no in 1963 when she was 20 years old she just left texas and went to san francisco it was during that movement of the 60s where a lot of people just traveled to california um just just to just to actually get away from where they're from. well and to join like the artistic world yes uh so they left a lot of people left like the midwest and the south where it wasn't a super artistic place and went East or West, basically. Went to New York or went to California. But during the 60s, California was much more seen as, like, this free, 
commune of, uh, especially San Francisco, of just painters and musicians and, and authors and all of this stuff. Um, so she went and immediately met Jorma Kakonen, sorry, uh, who was later the guitarist for Jefferson Airplane. Oh. And the two of them in 1964 recorded an album together. And it's hard to find an album. It was actually bootlegged because they weren't, neither of them were famous. They just met each other, recorded an album. It's called The Typewriter Tape. And they actually had another friend of theirs just typing on a typewriter in the background as they recorded music. And it's like 10 songs and they all have typewriter in the background. Why? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I like it, but I also hate it. Like, it's, it's like I, I, I love I the like, idea behind yes. it, but I know it would get irritating by track three. I'd be like, really? All well, this it's, like, it's not going to stop, huh? As, Just as click, a, click, ding. Like. And saying it as a concept, it's like, funny to me but then listening to it I'd be like oh this is just this is just noise happening during music well and especially typewriters are so loud well you have to depending punch on each fucking letter right yeah it, like I mean, maybe it was the beat I've, I've seen it used as an intended percussion yeah yeah I was excited. I have I have heard uh, typewriters used as an intended percussive instrument and I think that's interesting but just like random typing would be really jarring well, me and me and my band in high school we made an album and then just over the top of it was someone chewing macaroni so <laughs> okay he was just standing next mm. to the microphone just kind of like stirring macaroni memoirs i don't know what it oh god <laughs> <laughs> was was there also satisfied sounds like every now and then every now and then he'd be like mm, yeah or well at one point just in the middle of the song he just went no oh, no my ball's empty <laughs> And then, like, and like, and then he was panicked. I remember we had to stop the song to get him more macaroni. And, and that's all could, on the track. That's all on the track. Because well, you only, yeah, have, obviously, you, you don't, you're gonna pay. Yeah, you're I mean, gonna shell out extra time. No, exactly. Yeah, we just yeah. had to. We had to take. We, we, yeah, we had enough time to, to do the good edit on yeah. it. <laughs> I get it. So Janice yeah, was right. known as a real speed freak. <laughs> Because she did a lot of speed? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, I was just saying. During 64, <laughs> she started getting into speed, uh, heroin, uh, Lots of alcohol. Her favorite drink was Southern Comfort, um, which seems weird because there wasn't a lot of Southern Comfort. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in 1965, she had she got approached about her methamphetamine use and was like, "Stop! It's not good for you." Um, that's, that's I think that's how the conversation went. <laughs> that's such a heart wrenching intervention. <laughs> hey, don't. It's not. You shouldn't. Uh, I just Janice, I wrote a letter for you. <laughs> Don't. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so in 1965, she actually cleaned up, moved back to Texas, and went to Lamar University as an anthropology major. Um, at that time, she had met Peter DeBlanc in San Francisco. They were engaged. Uh, he was living in New York at the time and working for IBM. So there's a point where you've got this guy working for a IBM, which... Would they, they wouldn't have been computers in the 60s? Maybe a little bit. No. What was IBM? Uh, it was uh, communication. Like st sticks and hoops. Okay, sticks uh, and hoops. I thought it was like um, uh, telecommunication. Like, more typewriters. Like, probably, um, like, a, like, probably like, a, like uh, some sort of electronic, I'm betting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like telegraphs? Perhaps. <laughs> no, I don't think that far back, but... No, but, uh, but yeah, maybe, probably... Maybe, well, I mean, that's not Maybe development and research and things like that. Something. Yeah, I mean, there were big computers. There were early, you know early computers. There were room-sized computers. When we do Advanced BS Computers, we'll find out. Advanced BS IBM month. Ooh. No. That sounds exhausting. Uh, <laughs> I would say computers would be a better... Computers would be, sure, would be much better than, um, than just IBM. But he traveled from, San, uh, from New York, where he was living, 
uh, to Texas to propose to her, headed back, and within weeks broke off the engagement through message, like didn't even go back. See, he was working in the telecommunications, and that was the first message. <laughs> yeah. That was his Edison's We're through. Uh, little, very little like, lamp. We gotta test this thing. I mean, what, what message do we send? I've got one! Oh, God. <laughs> Boy, do I have a score to settle. It's over! Yeah. <laughs> Speed freak? Stop. I don't want to meth around with you anymore. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, so she moved back to California because she was heartbroken. She moved back to San Francisco area. She actually... Uh, joined the band at that point that she played with for a long time. In 1966, she joined the band Big Brother and the Holding Company. Uh, the band itself refused... Such a great band name. Well, they refused... A weird thing about a band in California in 66, no drugs anywhere near us. We don't want them at our shows. We don't want them at our practices. They shared one communal house in Lagunitas, California. We don't want them there. You just... No drugs on the premises at all. Nothing. She stayed clean for most of the time she's with the group because they just do not allow drugs anywhere near their band. Um, now, sorry, this seems like the first straight edge band then. Like, but they were they were very much like a... They played a, mostly bar mitzvahs. <laughs> they were very much a, a blues. I'm trying to think of what else they kind of did. Um, but ma- mainly blues band. Um, but I, I, it's not blues in the same way I'm thinking. That's why I'm trying to think of a different word because it's not like blues that you would hear... As like uh, like psychedelic rock. Yeah, it's the, it's the, got that with blues like undertones Influence, with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, to take a step back to did it did it say why the engagement ended? No, with the it, guy it doesn't. Okay, he basically he traveled to Austin, Texas, met with her parents, asked the dad permission to marry her, and then within weeks just sent a message saying I don't want to get married. Hmm. Um, it did say there was something weird about him. He traveled a lot for business. And so he's just all over the place, and they think that somewhere in his travels he may have changed okay. his mind, met someone else. He, so he's basically at the ground floor of IBM, and then she was at she was back at college to become an anthropologist or whatever yep. the fuck. And then now she was in this band that was like, "Hey, stay clean." So like, there was this little moment where she was so close to not being a drug addict, and like, right. like there's the, this little moment where there's an alternate history of like someone who. Got, like, comes an anthropologist working with a guy else. at IBM. Yeah, yeah. They would have, oh, within 10 man. years together, he would have been probably have a millionaire. Very wealthy. Because everyone, I knew a guy who worked for IBM. He was a middle manager making just regular pay, but he got stock as a benefit for a couple years, and he worked with them through the 60s and 70s, and then once they hit the 80s, they're like, oh, by the way, you're rich. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, and also, well, I mean, also, she probably would have gone on to make a lot more music, too. Possibly. Like, honestly, like, I mean... Because just because you're an anthropology major doesn't mean you're not going to be in a band. And the sad thing about the sad thing about Janis Joplin is she has these moments of like she was veering away from music only because there's the path with music that leads to her downfall, mm-hmm. or there's the path of a normal life where maybe she stays clean and maybe she stays away right. from stuff. But it's hard to say because she falls so often that who's to say that if she stayed away from music she wouldn't have gone right down the same thing? No, for sure. Uh, and and it's really and then maybe she would have had just IBM money to blow on meth. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we'll get into the money spent on drugs. Um, oh, really? But when they lived in the... When, when, uh, Big, Big Ben's brother, at, auction, at auctions. Yeah. <laughs> 200! Because uh, I'll give you two bits for that used needle. It's a Fabergé egg made out of cocaine. Oh, ooh! Uh, Big Brother and the Holding Company. So they shared this house in Lagunitas, California. They were two miles down the road from where the Grateful Dead was living. And so these two bands hung out all the time. Um, oh. She actually ended up in a short relationship, a short intimate relationship 
uh, and also a long friendship, not, well, long, a few years. Longish, yeah, yeah, with, yeah. With, well, I, and I say that because she actually was in a relationship with Ron Pigpen McKernan of the Grateful Dead, who, as we all know, is part of the 27 Club, actually. Mm-hmm. That he oh. also died. Mm-hmm. Um, he's on our list of people who died in the 27 Club. Uh, he was the guitarist for Grateful Dead. And I believe he was the one who died of the gastro... Yeah, intestinal yeah, hemorrhage. The hemorrhaging. Yeah. Um, so weird. there's that. Weird. What a what a sad Marvel universe. Where yes. And it only gets started. Like, there really but, is this whole relationship of this, all these people. This bummer of an MCU that we're um, just covering. <laughs> so 1967, her band... Uh, the Holding Company and Janis Joplin play at the Monterey Pot Festival, where we all know Jimi Hendrix also played and, and kind of got his... And Brian Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Holy got Stones, it. Brian Jones. That does help, guys. Yes. A little mnemonic device. Uh, they all play... He, he introduced Jimi Hendrix. He introduced Jimi mm-hmm. Hendrix. And, and Janis and Joplin and the, the Big Brother and the Holding Company play at the Monterey Pot Festival, and this is where she first kind of gets recognized. Um, she even starts to get tagged as Big Brother and the Holding Company featuring Janis Joplin even though she joined the band kind of after they were already going. Big Janice and the Holding Joplins. Yep, there you go. <laughs> and 1968, they released the song Peace of My Heart, which went to 12 uh, on the Billboard Top 100. Um, mm. Their last advertised show, so this is a little bit confusing, they advertised, this is our last show, we're done after this, Janice Joplin's going a separate way, was in 1968. Uh, the bands that opened for them at this show were Chicago and Santana. Wow. Uh, so two bigger bands. Wow. I think Chicago at that point still would have been Chicago Transit Authority was their original name before they shortened it to Chicago. Uh, and then Santana, of course, um, opened for them as well. But they continued for the rest of that year doing more shows. Um, what happened there, though, is Janice was getting big and she's really thinking about separating, which is why they were like, we're done at this show. But then it kind of, they did the show and they're like, no, we can do more. So they continued to do shows. But then people started lashing out kind of at her. Even one of the guitarists at one of the shows yelled out to the crowd, like, isn't it great when Janice gets done singing, she starts panting like Lassie, like just yells that to the crowd. I don't know. <laughs> Apparently that's him. I don't know if he's he was just joking. To, he's or... trying to take her down a peg, probably. A little bit, yeah. Which is not cool. Isn't it, isn't it great how she's a fucking bitch and I hate her? Am I right, guys? <laughs> All right. The next song. But hey, in early... <laughs> oh, no, you stupid bitch. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> She'd be singing that. Uh, no, he's shouting it over. Oh, okay. That's he just awkward. Start, he just started the song with that. There's a lead up to oh, that. Oh, God. It doesn't just start with it. Uh, so in 1969, she finally parts ways with the band, and she forms her own group called the Cosmic Blues Band. She actually takes a couple members of Big Brother. They actually do stay with her. Um, and then she also gets uh, keyboardist Steven Ryder and saxophonist Cornelius Snooky Flowers. <laughs> that is such the fucking name of a saxophonist. <laughs> Oh, God. It's almost like they give you a saxophone and then a fucking dopey name with it. Like, it's just... Here's your saxophone, you're now Squibbles. <laughs> I have to be Steven Squibbles while you're like, if you want to play the saxophone, you do. Otherwise, uh, the, the sax union will come to your house. And, we'll just and we're, bend the reed. We're taking, we're, take, we're taking the saxophone or the name you pick. <laughs> Um, but the <laughs> members she pulled from Big Brother and these other guys, uh, Steven and Snooky, um, when they all came together, they were not the ones who said no drugs. Oh. So you've taken out the moralistic member of Big Brother, and now you've got this group There's like, no, okay, no, drugs. Not moralistic. Not moralistic. Let's I'm not, saying, yeah, let's yeah. not yeah, say don't, that. Okay, sorry. The, the, you've the, taken out the person who said, like, we're going to the clean keep living. drugs. The clean, clean living. living. I, and I, 
I, you know, I think it'd be fair to say responsible. Responsible, yeah. but yeah. but but to say it's it's immoral. I, I don't want to get into that and say these are all bad people. No, <laughs> no, I'm just saying from a standpoint there's, of there's a party crew. Yeah, and yeah. But these are the people who reintroduced drugs back into her life, which the reason I use it as kind of a negative is it is was not good for her. Well, no, for sure. Yeah, I'm not saying people can't do drugs. She shouldn't have. No, no exactly. <laughs> and why I say that is once she sank back into drugs, she started shooting $200 worth of heroin per day. You go, girl. Wow, it's not... In today's it's, money, $2,500 per day. Heroin is not an expensive drug. She oh, was doing yeah. a lot. Yeah, no, that's what it is the, not this. an expensive drug. If you're doing that much, that is bananas. Um, so oh. then she sinks back into doing this. She she was. I watched The Wire. She sorry, that's, <laughs> that's that's my reference. I know that that's a dumb reference, but still, like, it, never seemed like they were handing off that much prop money. Mm. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a cheap drug, you guys. So she's she loved <laughs> Tina Turner. Janis Joplin, one of her biggest idols, is Tina Turner. They actually did a show together at Madison Square Gardens. Um, but in 1960... I'm looking at the wrong one. She does clean up again. That's why I immediately started reading it. It's like you flipped back to her. Sorry. <laughs> I'm like, 1960, 1969, Woodstock. Woodstock. She has such an issue at Woodstock. She shows up in a helicopter with Joan Baez who was also a folk singer of the, the mm-hmm. time. Um, her show was supposed to follow Creedence Clearwater Revival, is mm-hmm. who goes on before her. Um, by the way, reading through Woodstock, what a show. Yeah, of course. So, what, a, what a show. No, no, that's, Just the people there. <laughs> of course, of course. Man. That's why, well, that's why it's, it's a big, It was a big music thing. I don't know of if course. you... I, I, I've heard are, are you breaking that now? That yeah, Woodstock, it it was, was... there were a lot of people there. <laughs> yeah, you're right. No, you're totally right. Bringing you more information than you can handle, and she was there with the the new band, so just so it was Snooky and Woodstock. Yep, like Snoopy. Yep, close. <laughs> really getting it. Uh, so she had to wait ten hours after the helicopter landed to perform. So she spent that time drinking and using lots of heroin. She had to wait, or like she—that's when she her, was scheduled. Her, she was scheduled oh, ten okay. hours. Yeah, so like, <laughs> just like, the way that was phrased, I was like, like she just got out of the pool and had to like just sit there. And, <laughs> yeah, just like when you, when you when you come up from like deep water, you have to like sit in the the pressure chamber. So you don't you get got ten bed. hours like, after helicopter before yeah. rock music. Yeah, you have to. So yeah, yeah no, no, I, I get that. It was just, I just you have, to, you have to sit in this pressure change uh, <laughs> pressure uh, chamber just so you don't get the bends. Yep. So, and this, so, like, so here's well, some heroin and some alcohol. That's fun. Uh, so Pete Townsend witnessed her performance. Uh, he's a uh, guitarist for The Who? Yes. Yeah. Just, okay. Sorry. She, no. <laughs> were, you, were you not yeah. sure? No, you... no, I was just I'm making sure. Uh, so his quote about her is, She was amazing at Monterey, but tonight she wasn't at her best, due probably to the long delay, and also probably to the amount of booze and heroin she'd consumed while she waited. But even Janice on an off night was incredible. So, still a good performance, but a lot of people, a lot of people cheered her on, but a lot of people said it was a little bit hard to watch because she was clearly just three sheets to the wind, just, just beyond able to perform, and really, like, gasping, uh, her voice kept going out, a lot of that stuff, but she still put on a really good show, people were cheering because they really wanted her to, to succeed at this show, but people could tell, like, it was just, And I just want to say something here. So this is Woodstock was in '69. Yes, and the Monterey Pop Festival that broke her was '67. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, just the how how short these careers were because then she dies in '70. Like, yes. Spoiler alert. Yeah. So three really a three a, year musical career for Janis mm-hmm. Joplin, and <laughs> yeah. even but that's what I'm saying. So it's like that is such 
it's just it's crazy the the amount because they 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 have a full like 20, 20 year rock career in two fucking years. Cause, yes, because they, they of everything of people they meet and songs exactly. they and the perform. Success, the, the number of times it, it's I think the the, the real like. Uh, like the person who worked the most was probably Hendrix because he just worked all the time. But like, still, the number of shows, even but even for, for any, anyone on this four list, years. Exactly, and yeah. even anyone on this list, like their mainstream careers were were extremely short, and they all worked a right. ton right. in them. But like, then well, because she released a lot of albums in in three years. Oh, did with she really, different bands? Yeah, you you could turn out more shit. But then also, it's like with with Joplin, and then especially like Morrison. Uh, like their careers were so short, but there there was already a climb, and then already starting to be a fall. Because mm-hmm. now she's at Woodstock two years after her career started. Now she's already having like everyone's cheering her on, hoping she makes it through this because right. she's so fucking drugged out. And the same thing with Morrison. Remember, was just like it was two years, two two or three years in. Suddenly he's like, oh, he's gained weight and he's and already he's like, burned yeah. out. And uh-huh. He's like, he's, yeah. you know, it sounds like the lifespan of Elvis. It, exactly. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's like that. In three years. It seems like that should be, well, you show you hear about like, oh yeah, you know, they haven't really done anything great in 15 years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Instead it's, yeah, no, their career started two She was really years good a year ago. ago. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, but it's just crazy what's how weird, short they are. What's weird about prolific. Woodstock is that apparently she didn't know she was going to do it until a week before Woodstock. And someone had to convince her to do it because they actually, like, put her name as one of the top billed people on the posters wow. and then go, oh, by the way, Janice, you're doing Woodstock. Well, your name's on the poster. Like, oh, that's... And she's like, really? So that's amazing. the story. Maybe they did tell her a while ago and she forgot. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, and so yeah, other people, though, that she morning got... helicopter ride. It's going to yep. be great. She got to witness Sly and the Family Stone, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Um, one of the stories is that to watch Jimi Hendrix close out performance... Um, Joplin and Joan Baez sat in Joe Cocker's van and watched Jimi Hendrix play. So, just weird overlap of all these people. Yeah, like to, and and, and what a, what a time to have lived. Like in that like in that concert. Like if if yeah, and just it, like you know, there's always that silly like uh, sci-fi joke. If like instead of going places for uh, vacation, you time travel for vacation. Silly I'm guessing that, sci-fi joke. What? That, that's not a, that's not a regular joke that anyone else is. <laughs> Like, I'm sorry. Also, it wasn't even a joke. It was, it was just a, a sci- like, sci-fi like, thing. It's sci-fi like, where uh, would you plot go? line or like, yeah, where would you go in time rather than vacations in time rather than vacations in places. I feel like that would be the top ten. Woodstock? And, uh, Woodstock. Yeah. In 1969, like, that would, I feel like that would be a really, a top ten, like, location. I love music and mud. Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, so one little quick thing, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to end this one for Jan Shoplin so we can get into Kurt Cobain, but... Janis Joplin, there was a short stint there where after Woodstock, she kind of came home. She was super pumped. She went back to her parents' place and was like, "That was I love that performance. I had a really good time, but I need to clean up again because I want to be better at performing. So she ended up traveling to Brazil and cleaning up. And she meets a guy in Brazil. Say, is South America known for being drug-free? No, which is a weird thing. <laughs> and actually, when we get into Amy Winehouse, she does the same thing. They go to Brazil to get clean, which I don't, I don't know. But Capoeira really works the the drugs out of your system. Sure, but she she goes to Brazil, Capybara? meets a guy. That's a that's a large rodent. Yeah, yeah. I know you said that. She 
they uh <laughs> she meets a guy they get together but as soon as they return and they're actually engaged but as soon as they get to the united states again it's a time where they get back and she immediately starts getting into drugs she actually starts having a relationship with a female member of her band that she's friends with Girl. and he ends up breaking off the engagement and she slips back into drinking and drugs again um so sunday october it's an addiction you guys yeah sunday october 4th 1970 Joplin did not show up for a recording session. Her manager, John Cook, drives to the Landmark Motor Hotel to find her dead on the floor by her bed. The cause of death that the coroner gives is overdose of heroin compounded by alcohol. But the controversy behind it is she had done so much heroin and she knew her levels, basically. They think that the heroin was laced with something or made way too strong. They've had that as... That has happened a few times in history where... The heroin was more than what should have been. And the reason they do this is her regular heroin dealer, six of his clients died of a heroin overdose within two weeks of her. Oh, wow. So thinking that there was a batch that was not good. Yeah. um, Because they said she would have never overdosed on heroin with how much she'd done. She knew. You got to keep your heroin in the fridge, you guys. It's going to (laughs) spoil. Oh, God. I don't know anything. Just left out in the sun. Yeah. Um, I left it on the dash of my car. Mind, <laughs> mind your expiration dates. Yep. Yep. You got to check that. Um, but that was that was hers. But <laughs> after her death is when, uh, I forget the name of the album, but the al- album is released directly after her death uh, is the one that has the song Me and Bobby McGee um, uh, on that one. That one comes out post- posthumously. Posthumously. That's the word. There you go. Um, and that's Janis Joplin. That's my, my Joplin stuff. So, so I will hand it off to Caleb to move us into Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain. Kurt Donald Cobain, uh, best known as lead singer, guitarist, and primary songwriter for Nirvana. It'd be um, so different if it was Donald Cobain. Uh-huh. Well, that was his dad, was Donald Cobain. Donald, uh, Please, that's my father. <laughs> Donald's my father. Donald's my father. <laughs> Call me Kurt. Uh, <laughs> Call yeah, me Nirvana. <laughs> <laughs> he was born in uh, Aberdeen, Washington. His mom uh, was a waitress, Wendy. His dad was a an auto mechanic. Wendy's has waitresses? <laughs> uh, they do sometimes. I was also trying to figure out a Wendy's joke. Uh, there was a lot of art in his family. He had an Uncle Chuck who was in a band called uh, the, <laughs> the Beachcombers. Uncle Art. I don't know. <laughs> a, lot of art. <laughs> a lot of art in his family. There were seven Arthurs. <laughs> Go ahead, Uncle Chuck. Uh, no worries. Yeah, yeah. He was in a band called the Beachcombers. Uh, and then his aunt, uh, Marie Earl, played guitar in several bands. And he had a great aunt or great uncle, uh, Delbert, who had a career as an Irish tenor. And then his he had a grandma, Iris, who also was a professional artist. And that's all that was explained was a professional artist. So, like, a lot of... I do art. Leave me alone. <laughs> People gave me money for my art. I'm arting over here. <laughs> they gave me monies for this art. No questions. Uh, so, like... Uh, like just a lot of silly putty is what she she she'd press against a she, newspaper and then sell it. That'd <laughs> be amazing. Oh, it's art. Shut up. No, <laughs> just no, just put artist. Just put professional artist. <laughs> yes, I know what Wikipedia is going to be. <laughs> she Run knew it down. Uh, so early development, or, or he developed an interest in music at an early age. He was like singing all the time at two. And he started uh, Sounds annoying. playing. Uh, he started playing <laughs> piano and singing at age four. Whoa. And he did songs uh, from the Ramones and uh, ELO, 
on his electric light ELO, on his really? piano. Yeah, and that's and well, that at least has piano parts. Like I'm list, I'm curious of him playing Ramones just on smashing piano. piano. <laughs> well, I, I imagine it was just probably like just uh, power chords, which are the yeah. bass, the fifth, and uh, the octave. But just, I just love the idea of piano versions of the Ramones. Yeah, I like that too, actually. Um, uh, when he was nine, his parents got divorced, and that had a big influence on him. He went from being a happy, excitable kid to like a defiant withdrawn kid at age nine because uh, he always started getting a little grungy <laughs> there it is uh but like he he, he was kind of ashamed of his parents because he wanted like that normal like nuclear family and then kind of didn't get to have it um his father remarried uh, a woman named jenny westaby and she already had two kids and then soon uh would have uh another kid kid with his dad so he kind of felt like odd man out he went from being an only child to kind of being uh, an add-on to a family which you know he kind of resented uh, and his mom just dated uh, abusive assholes uh mm. one time uh, and one time uh, it resulted in uh, kurt getting his arm broken oh. and then his mom still refused to press charges against that guy oh you guys yeah good mm. good work Hope Good you're work. enjoying this fun episode of Advanced BS. Well, it was when it was it was in that time that he like started like bullying kids at school, and his parents were like, "You need to see a therapist." And the therapist's suggestion was, "Hey, start a band called Nirvana." <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, there were uh, the suggestion was to have like a single family home rather than no. going between that therapist's name, Dave Grohl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, both sides of their family actually tried to get the parents back together. Uh, which is a very strange solution. Wait, both sides, like like his like his mom's side and his dad's side. Oh, okay. Side. It wasn't like the no, father's no. wife both the, both, both <laughs> and the, the abusive union. boyfriends. Like you guys are good. Together. Both the union and confederacy were trying to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but eventually, uh, his mother gave full custody to his father. Uh, for I, I assume for reasons like oh they have like a family structure already set up. But Kurt was too uh, defiant and like kind of always raising a ruckus and causing shit to happen uh so he was sent to live with uh father's family friends uh the reeds who were super christian sweet and at this time kurt at cobain actually went to uh we know who we're talking about uh he became he became (laughs) it seemed like you felt bad for thinking you were on first name basis that's absolutely (laughs) where it was me and me and kurt it's old curdy old old kd kdc kdc uh (laughs) Uh, we yeah we did the middle name right uh he uh he became very uh religious very christian would like go to church like uh, go to a lot of services um and then like the timeline's kind of muddy but then like shortly after would just like just go on anti-god rants and like just you know was not into it like just turned on a dime um also when he was in high school his dad signed him up for all sorts of sports and he wasn't bad at them but he had no interest so he would perform poorly like letting himself get pinned on the wrestling team just kind of rolling just over just to feel human touch <laughs> and probably just always nice oh, just or like intentionally striking out in baseball so he wouldn't have to play you'd just be like yeah not into it which just yeah. putting his hands right on the ball in soccer <laughs> just holding it in his hands going look at me <laughs> uh uh, and then it was cited in high school. He uh, befriended a homosexual student who was getting bullied all the time. And so there, he, he when he was hanging out with him, he also got bullied uh, because everyone just assumed he was gay. And he said in an interview he actually liked 
as being associated with uh, the gay identity because he did not like people, and then when they thought he was gay, they left him alone. Hmm. Oh, <laughs> weirdly optimistic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like it's. And, we know, and there's and there's another not, quote. It's not there's great, but it's like. No, and there's, okay. and there's, another, there's another quote that I was like, it's not great, but I, I like I like where your head's at, kind of. I mean, it's like because the quote is, "I'm not gay, although I wish I were, just to piss off homophobes." I'm like. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Again, like you're, you're sort of an ally. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's just like, oh no, no, no! I wish I was gay because then it would piss off my dad. And then gay people are just like, yeah, well, you're, you're half our friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of gay. Okay. Thanks for being begrudgingly for us. Like, like, <laughs> uh, so <laughs> thanks for supporting us out of spite. Yeah. <laughs> he started getting into music. Um, his first concert, uh, his family says it was Sammy Hagar and Quarter Flash. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> Sammy Hagar is, is what made Kurt Cobain go into music, right? Uh, like but that, that's, well, that's what his family says. Uh, but he, well, he was rebellious, so yeah, he wouldn't want to drive fifty-five. Yeah, right. And he wanted to prove there wasn't just one way to rock. <laughs> uh, he claimed he claimed that his first concert was a Seattle local. Now band. I know that it's love. God damn it. <laughs> After seeing Sammy Hagar, yeah. He claimed that his first uh, concert was a Seattle local band called The Melvins. Yeah, because uh, he didn't want to admit to the Sammy Hagar thing. <laughs> oh, God. I thought you had another song. <laughs> nope. Uh, so he would uh, frequent the Melvilles uh, practice space, and like that became like a hangout for him, was just to go to punk shows and then go to the Melvilles practice space and just hang out with music people. And, like, Hell you know, yeah, just old music people. On his 14th birthday, uh, his uncle offered him either a bike or a used guitar. This he, Uncle Chuck? Uh, I didn't say which uncle. Mm. Uncle Art. Well, I, yeah, there was no, so one, many. One so of the several Uncle Arts. I mean, we're trying to be specific. Odds, odds are it's an art. It's about but... specificity, Steve. Oh, sorry. Uh, actually, they didn't say which Art Jr. Uh, but uh, he got it, He chose the guitar, and he practiced uh, and, and mastered uh, Stairway to Heaven, Louie Louie, and uh, My Best Friend's Girl. <laughs> and why can't this be love? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, during high I school, I am now officially oh, out of Sammy Hagar, Hagar tunes. Oh, so cool, cool, cool. <laughs> goodbye. It's been fun talking with you See guys. You later. <laughs> Logan just <laughs> a helicopter ladder comes down. He grabs onto. I was just gonna see him dissolve into nothing. Like, <laughs> my work here. He was done. a ghost. This was my unfinished business. <laughs> <laughs> and I never get to bring up Sammy Hagar in regular conversation <laughs> ever again. Never. <laughs> uh, during high school, he uh, rarely found anyone who could who he could actually like play with. Um, and while he was hanging out at the Melville's prep, like, play music <laughs> no, with. No, I know. You did a hand movement, and Steve shot me a look. That's where the laugh came from. Because you did, like, a diddle move. You did a guitar like, playing. A guitar like, playing. Playing the strings. It the looked diddle. a little different. Like, be clear about the diddle. Because if you just hear someone just say saying, diddle. Had a short slide. That's mm-hmm. so yep. all I want to say about it. <laughs> so he couldn't, uh, he really found someone he could play music with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while he was at the Melville's practice space, he met... Chris uh, Novoselic, uh, a fellow devotee of punk rock. Uh, also, uh, together they formed the beginnings of Nirvana. Nirvana. Uh, this mm. is the weird. The weird fact about this is that uh, Kurt, like Kurt Cobain had to convince Novoselic to start a band with him. He had to like. He he asked him, and he had to continually Come ask on, him dude, over. Don't you want to be the other guy from Nirvana? Right? <laughs> don't you? <laughs> don't you want to be the one where everyone on. forgets your name? Don't you want to like... be member number three? Exactly. <laughs> Come on, 
well, uh, Kurt, it's just me and you starting it right now. Yeah, but you're going to be member number three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you're going to be like that other guy in the pictures. <laughs> or <Yeah>. the police. <laughs> Here, now here's a base. Practice knocking yourself out with it. <laughs> Did that a, happen? In the thing. It happened on MTV. It was like the MTV VMAs. He fuck it, He threw his base up, and then it came down. And he caught it, but it hit him right in the head. And so for a, he gets knocked down, and it like knocked him out for a second. And then he got back up. And him telling the story is really funny because he's like, "Yeah, he's like, and then I got up and just had to realize where I was and start playing the song again because I think they were playing <laughs> Smells Like Teen Spirit or something. That's amazing. But fucking knocked himself out cold for just a brief sec. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, in his second year, I'm gonna go back in. I love do it. Just I love it. Sorry. Uh, in his second year of uh, high school, uh, he went back to living with his mom. Uh, and two weeks before graduation, he dropped out of high school because he knew he wouldn't have enough credits to like finish that year. And his mom gave him an ultimatum. She said, "Either get a job or move out." And after a week, she'd already boxed up all his shit and like put it in front of the garage and was like, "Oh, well, you're out of here." So he started, like, living with friends and would, like, sneak back into his mom's basement and stuff. So he was pretty much homeless, and he has some songs written about it and stuff. It's very, very strange. Very, like, just kind of sad. Like, yeah. kind of a bummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Comedy show. <laughs> uh, he, uh... He, he had other notable relationships, but the one that was important was the one where he uh, started dating uh, uh, Toby Vale, uh who was in uh, Bikini Kill and was uh, very influential in the, the zinester scene and, like, the Riot Girl scene. You just said a lot of nonsense to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so, like, uh, <laughs> zines, they would, like, uh, hand make and um, do, like, short, like, magazines about, like, counterculture and things, and they would um, right. hand them out at shows. And the Riot Girl movement is, like, uh, bands that would try and empower women to be, like, singers or have their whole... I, I know Riot Girl. Oh, I, cool, I, cool, it was cool. more, you are just, like, you said a name oh, the way and, I said a, it. and then a band that... For sure. That is not well known. And the- <laughs> okay. Sorry, yeah. Bikini Kill is the band. Um, maybe maybe they're just not known to me. They, they probably are somewhat known. But. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. Especially... You guys know music more than I do, but... Especially in that... I know Bikini Kill. I know One Piece Murder. <laughs> uh, they, would, they would spend a lot of their relationship, like, uh, discussing, like, politics and philosophy. Speedo homicide. <laughs> and they collaborated on... Uh, they collaborated on one project. <laughs> Hold on, you got one more? I, I like this yeah. one. You got one more? Thong slaughter. <laughs> Sorry, I was just, I got excited. I like the sound of that. I was thinking maybe board short butcher shop. <laughs> I like that one yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, I, I, I like that one. Uh, they made a, a little project. G-string project-y. genocide. Ooh. <laughs> there you go. We're, we're still getting them. We're still getting them. I like how they're kind of breaking Steve. That's fun. Uh, but they did a project together called... Uh, Bathtub is real. Trunk terminal illness. <laughs> that real? Uh, bathtub is real? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> bathtub is real is the name of their, their project together. Um, and then like... Uh, keep going. Keep going. They would... Uh, <laughs> so he was hanging out with uh, Kathleen Hanna, who is another member of uh, Bikini Kill. Um... <laughs> And they were, like, just talking about punk rock and or whatever they were jawing about. And uh, she ran up and, uh, uh, like, tagged his uh, apartment building with Kurt Smells Like Teen Spirit, which was um, Toby Vale, his girlfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was her deodorant. Uh, but he, Kurt didn't know that and thought she was making some profound statement about 
like <laughs> about the youth or yeah the, about, the about, about counterculture or yeah. something so that inspired the title of their first mainstream hit um so oh, that's like team spirit their biggest hit their, oh absolutely yeah their, their most enduring song and exactly and i think uh, rolling stone it's on the top 100 songs of all time mm-hmm. it's on there and it's like any any list you ever see of like the top songs or top videos or top whatever's of the 90s yeah. it's always no, like one or two or yeah. like it's yeah. uh well it was um or most influential, like something from the nineties. Yeah. It's always, it's always at the top of those lists, and rightfully so. Absolutely. Uh, when did when did when did uh, Dave Grohl come into this shit? That's actually I was just gonna get into drummers. Hey! That was exactly great timing. Uh, during the first years, Nirvana had like quite a few different drummers, uh, but they settled on uh, Chad Channing, um, with whom they made the first album, Bleach, that was released on Sub Pop Records in '89. Uh, it was like an indie label, um, but. Cobain didn't like, he wasn't satisfied with uh, Channing's style, uh, leading them to find Dave Grohl. Um, with, uh, <laughs> they, uh, okay, they found their greatest success with Grohl uh, on their release of uh, Nevermind, which came out in 91, and that gave them, and, and they were on a major label, uh, DGC Records. And that really, like, that's that's the thing that blew them way, way, way yeah. up. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's just a, the, I don't know if it's picking on the mic, but there's just a bird that's losing its shit right outside the window. So I just a real grunge fan. So I just mm-hmm. I just wanna I just want the audience to know if you're hearing birds, it's it's okay. We're doing it. You're fine. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not, uh, it's not in if, your head. If the bird's telling you something, that is not on the podcast. That is different. Right. Uh, why my handwriting sucks? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, we all have childlike handwriting. We all we all have just the worst handwriting. <laughs> Should have uh, all been doctors. <laughs> I don't think that's what that means. Uh, <laughs> that single, uh, Smells Like Team Spirit, shot them uh, uh, into the mainstream and popularized uh, the, subs- the subgroup of alternative rock called grunge. Like that's, that's, that made it like a mainstream thing. Uh, with that success, um, band, other Seattle bands like Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, and Soundgarden um, were provided with a wider audience. They already had audiences, but this, like, really... And two-piece torture. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a result... Thanks, alt- thanks for just agreeing. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Uh, as a result, alt-rock uh, blew up during the early and mid-90s, and uh, Nirvana was known as, like, the flagship band oh, of yeah. Generation X, and Kurt Cobain himself was known as its, like, spokesperson, which caused him a lot of anxiety and, like, like he didn't like yeah. that. He's mm-hmm. kind of like a rock and roll Jesus. But, really. I mean, it, there was a, that little period in time. I mean, it lasted for quite a few years where just music was fucking grunge bands from Seattle. Like, just, yeah. it, it was all... So, like, he really did just start music of that little p- piece of time. Because all those bands were huge, too. They were very successful. And, like, mainstream successes. Right. Yeah. So, like, even though it was funny, you know, it was alt mm-hmm. rock, but, like, it was... It wasn't alt. It was mainstream huge hits, mm-hmm. you know, back to back from all these different bands. Well, and, and and it's funny when you go through like the list of like their uh, of the influences that Kurt Cobain specifically has. It's like the Beatles, like uh, like Hey Jude was one of the first songs he would learn on piano and like mm-hmm. sing really loud. And like he also has influences from like seventies uh, hard rock and heavy metal bands like Led Zeppelin, uh, ACDC, Black Sabbath, Aerosmith, Queen, Kiss. Like some music, yeah. So Van like, Halen, yeah. So like, it's just a bunch of <laughs> more Van Hagar than, mm-hmm. than, than Van Halen. So like, the the list is huge. He also once he uh, once he got 
Once he got big. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> that's my that's my Sammy Hagar. I like it. Uh, something really cool that he did uh, is when he got popular, he would really champion lesser known bands, uh, and really like he would like wear their T-shirts and like he got like tattoos of like lesser known record labels and like would really like you know like uh, just. Uh, hype the shit out of other bands like the Vaselines, the Meat Puppets, the Wipers, Fang, uh, like Buckle Surfers. Um, I know. It's I, hard. It's, and no, I, I know totally that band agree. too. It just, I can't ever hear it without enjoying uh, it. Because I, a as a kid, I enjoyed that band name so much. I'm like, guys, there's a band called Buckle Surfers. <laughs> like, I was just <laughs> pleased by it. Uh, yeah, and he was actually really good friends with um, uh, Michael Stipe as well. Which, oh. is, which is cool, and so like there was some influence in that. Like, um, we should probably wrap it up. Well, not not wrap it up, but get get, get to the point. Instead, yeah, instead yeah, of we, getting we, in, in in his influences. Oh no! I, the next thing I was I was just gonna say like uh, that's where the uh, the reason I brought up REM and Michael Stipe is um, after the unplugged uh, performance on MTV, like the huge famous performance, uh, they were everyone like was saying like uh, Kurt Cobain was heading in the direction of like REM, and like that's where the music they would have uh, had. Uh, music closer to that like that's where the development and the poetry and the, and the melodies and things like that's where they were kind of rolling towards uh this next thing i was going to bring up uh i wrote uh and now onto things that may or may not have killed him <laughs> courtney love uh <laughs> the end <laughs> like she pursued him they met in like 1990 they got together in 91 and by the end of 91 they were often like together and they bonded over drug use Mm-hmm. Um, Yay! They were married in Feb- as lasting relationships often do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, they were married in uh, February uh, of '92 on a Waikiki beach, uh, where Cobain wore green pajamas because he was too lazy to wear a tux. And I'm like, uh, isn't it more work though to get green pajamas? <laughs> Not if you already got them. I, I mean, I think he, I, I, what I imagine is he woke up with them and was like, I guess I'm yeah. imagining a onesie, so. <laughs> it takes a little work like to get a little, onesie. To get that, to get that, footies. Yeah, to get that in adult size. Especially I mean, get you the get perfect that, fit. You gotta get that tailored. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's true. Ooh. And have him put in the back door. Oh, absolutely. It, put what in the back door? The, the, the little, oh, put in the back door. The little button. So I don't have to take off my onesie when I'm using the restroom. Because I don't want to be. I don't want my whole body to be cold. Well, no, not at all. Take care of my business. How did I? At the time they got. At the time they got married. Pajama overdose. <laughs> At the time they got married, Courtney Love was already pregnant, uh, and their daughter was born on August, uh, in August of '92. Uh, a sonogram was included in the artwork for the single "Lithium." Like that was a sonogram up there. Is this the kid. first one that we've talked about that had a kid? Was it? Yes. I don't think any of the other ones had children yet by '27. Oh, hmm. good work. Just, just, yeah. No, dude, that was. That they knew of. I'm sure Jim Morrison might have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, that's Any true. of those other guys totally could have kids yeah, out there, yeah. but on record. <laughs> yeah. So moving on, moving a little bit away from Courtney Love, he, throughout his life he had uh, chronic bronchitis and intense uh, uh, undiagnosed like stomach pains. Um, he also was an ADHD kid, um, and as an adult he was diagnosed bipolar. Are you suggesting this is what killed him? No, I'm just saying, like, this, like, just his... Because this is in the may have, or may or may have killed him. Yeah, it, it is, but I'm, mean, like, I'm saying, like, his health records are, are just fraught with, like, illness. Like, he, he started, he also started smoking weed at age 13, 
and uh, was quoted to have like been really into getting fucked up. Would do like alcohol, drugs, like so whatever. I'm so glad you said up after fucked. I thought I was just gonna say he was really, really, <laughs> really into, into getting, getting fucked. fucked. Like uh, I was gonna be like, what does that mean? Well, it, it said he did a notable amount of LSD, uh, and he was <laughs> he was well, pro- yeah, you wrote it down. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was notable. Nice. And he was prone to alcoholism and, like, solvent abuse. And I looked up solvent abuse and I was like, it was just huffing. Mm-hmm. Like, so he would just do whatever, like... Yeah. He would just huff. Um, he would good. go back and forth between, like, between being okay and just doing, like, an intense amount of drugs. Like, Janis Joplin, like, a lot I mean, of that's, addicts. That's, right. I mean, that's... That's, yeah, like, that's, that's, that's always the struggle, is the... Well, it's... Once you get clean and then once you fall off the wagon, you fall fucking hard. Yeah. And that's And that's why, you know, when you hear people who... Who, who overdosed, who were, you know, who were just sober, were just, you know, in rehab or something. It's it's because the fall is fucking hard. And then also their their body's been away from it, so they mm-hmm. can't handle it as yeah. much. They and can't do they, what they used to. And they do too much, and then it, yeah. There are a couple notable times, like, one of them was on SNL where he just, like, shot up right before a photo shoot, like, the, the, the music photo shoots that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, he just shot up and, like, went and would, like, was, like, nodding off and passing out during it. And, like, they didn't know about it. But also, like, uh, like he's always like, what What are they going to do? Are they going to not take the pictures or whatever? Like, uh, I'll just do whatever I want. They're not going to stop me. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, that's, a, that's a fair point. They just they just all thought, man, he is going to die at, like, any second. This is... He's going to die, I'm going to say, around 27. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a not- another notable time was uh, prior to a performance in New York, uh, he suffered a heroin overdose. And rather than calling an ambulance, uh, Courtney Love injected him with... Naloxone, Naloxy, uh, Biloxi, Mississippi. Uh, N A L O X O N E. Oh, Naloxone and N A. Naloxone, which uh, blocks opioids uh, to bring it back to life. So it's like it's so Naloxone is a Biloxi. <laughs> it is. Uh, so it brought him back to a conscious state, and he proceeded to perform uh, with Nirvana, giving no indication that anything out of the ordinary had happened. So it was just kind of like... Except for that almost heroin overdose. Except for that almost heroin overdose. <laughs> uh, while touring in uh, Germany, this is we're up to March of 94, which is a month before he died. Okay. Um, he was diagnosed with bronchitis and laryngitis. segment's going to take an hour and a half. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the last month. Uh, he was diagnosed with bronchitis and laryngitis, and he was flown to Italy for treatment. Um, while he was there, after he got treated, um, he OD'd again on a combination of uh, oh, champagne boy. and rohypnol. Um Fight the party. That was yeah. not what I was expecting. No. no. <laughs> Champagne and Rohypnol. No, and that was the... That sounds like a good album name, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was kind of a... No, it's not good. It was a good song. Uh, but that was... Uh, Corny Love claimed, like, that's the first time he tried to commit suicide. Um, then he was... Uh, then they flew back to Seattle after he got treatment in uh, in Italy. And uh, then on March 18th in 94, Corny Love phoned the police saying that... Uh, Kurt was like suicidal and had locked himself in a room. The police arrived. They confiscated several guns, several guns, and uh, a bottle of pills from Kurt Cobain, who insisted he was not suicidal but had locked himself to hide from Courtney Love. Hmm. So, I look at that. Yeah. I, it's yeah, that one. That one feels like a he said, she said. Um, a week later, um, Courtney, <laughs> he said, "You're bothering me." She says, "Suicide." <laughs> yeah. Uh, Courtney Love and uh, a close friends staged an intervention, and he was like super pissed, and he like just said like essentially like fuck all you guys, you guys are being fucking assholes and totally unreasonable. But it, by the end of it, 
uh, he decided to cooperate and enrolled in a detox program in L.A. Um, while he was at that program, uh, uh, he, like, walked outside. Um, he walked outside and, like, was smoking a cigarette and just decided to jump the six-foot fence, and no one went and stopped him. He walked... He had to... that great of a lateral, and he just never... He didn't want to play athletics? Didn't want to play nope. sport. God, no, come no, on, man! I know, yeah, he just wasn't interested. Six... You can't... Jesus! He just wasn't interested. Uh, so he went through, uh... He went straight to the airport and flew back home to Seattle. Um, while in Seattle, he was spotted on April 2nd and 3rd all around Seattle. Like, people, there were, like, sightings. And uh, it was on the 3rd that Courtney Love hired I a PI to find him. just a bunch of, like, the uh, Sasquatch videos, but it's, it's, it's Kurt, just Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain and flannel. Well, it makes, it makes green sense. Green pajamas. It is, it is the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, and if he's got the green pajamas on, he's going to blend right in with the forestry. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but, like, it, I like, but none of his close family saw him. Like, none of his family or friends uh, knew where he was, but, like, Random people were like, oh, it's Kurt Cobain. Whatever. So, like, uh, uh, Courtney Love hired a PI, Tom Grant, on April 3rd. Um, and then on April 8th, his body was found in his home uh, by an electrician, uh, Gary Smith, who arrived to install a security system. Uh, now, this is the weird part. Apart from a minor amount of blood coming from Cobain's ear, uh, the electrician reported seeing no signs of visible trauma. And initially believed that Kurt Cobain was just sleeping until he saw the shotgun pointed at his chin. Like, I was like, you don't assess that there's a gun there? Like, I, I He's probably like... just talking about flash reaction. Like, oh, I walked okay. in the room, saw him, and went, oh, there's a gun. It, when you read it out, it yeah, sounds like, like... I, when examining closer, I saw a shotgun. It was probably more just he walked in and goes, oh, well, he's sitting on the couch. And, oh, there's a gun. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah and then a note was found uh, addressed to his imaginary friend, uh, Bada. Uh, B-O-D-D-A-H uh, and he just it's it just gets super sad uh, yeah and... yeah uh, there was a high concentration of heroin and traces of uh, diazepam uh, that was found in his body his body was lying there for a couple days and the coroner said that it was April 5th was what they declared um, uh, at the, at his um, memorial service Courtney Courtney Love read excerpts from excerpts excerpts from his suicide note and gave some of his clothes away and like chastised him and was just very strange and like i mean and then that fucking train hasn't stopped rolling no yeah I, I just saw their uh they got inducted to the rock and roll hall of fame yeah the they, last year it was the year before it was the year uh, before t- something 2014 got, she was up there though they let her go up whatever and i don't know why Mm-hmm. But she was up there and then starts talking and then she like starts like thanking everyone. And it was, she was just fucking blitzed out of her mm-hmm. mind. Yeah. And she turns, like, she's like, I just, you know, Chris, and then turns to Dave Grohl and points, like, and, and, and Dave Grohl just like kind of gives a laugh of just like, what the fuck? Like, forgot Dave Grohl's name. And like, they've yeah. been feuding for years. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Ugh. so he just kind of laughs at her and is just kind of like, all right, just let her fucking get this over with. Yeah. That's a bummer. Uh, according to this P- uh, Seattle PD, uh, at least uh, once a week, uh, through Twitter or wherever, they have demands for people to reopen the case on his. Well, yeah, because what what are all of the all of the things surrounding? I haven't seen the documentary or anything, but like, what what's all the stuff? The conspiracy theories? Because I I know it's that a lot of people say like, well, you know, Courtney murdered him or hired someone to murder him. Or... Yeah, that's well, and that's and that's the thing. Uh, there's there's a specific guy. Is, um, is there anything any more evidence beyond just people saying that eh, Courtney loves the worst? Well, uh, okay, so uh, there's an '98 film by Nick Broomfield who investigated uh, Tom Grant, the PI, who uh, was trying to find Cobain. Uh, his he made a claim that Cobain was actually murdered. Um, so uh, this guy took a film crew and like 
interviewed a bunch of people who were close to Courtney Love and Cobain, including like her father, like the nannies that they had for their daughter. Um, and uh, one of these was the uh, mentors band leader, Eldon El Duce Hoke. Sure. Uh, and he claimed that Love offered him it's like a noir novel, right? She offered. He claimed that he offered her fifty thousand dollars to kill Cobain, although he claimed uh, he knew who killed him. Uh, sorry, uh, although uh, Hoke claimed that he knew who, who killed, killed Cobain, Cobain uh, he failed to mention a name and offered no evidence to his claims. Um, and he died after the interview that Bloomfield did with him. Uh, he died days later, reportedly hit by a train. Oh, really so that's it is really it really yeah. is like just loose ends that never get tied. And there was um, oh, they're getting tied. Well, uh, <laughs> and, and, and in March of two, uh, and March they're getting severed. <laughs> oh, I think yeah, it's usually what happens. Getting clipped in uh, in March of twenty fourteen. Uh, what happens with trains? What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we are at an hour, by the way. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm gonna try and wrap this up really. We quick. have Amy Winehouse still too. True. Uh, in March of twenty fourteen, the Seattle PD developed. Uh, four rolls of film that had been left in the evidence vault from the crime scene uh, and no explanation was left as to why they were just undeveloped. So 20 years that just film, four rolls of film that was just never developed. Oh yeah, I remember hearing all about that. Uh, cold case investigator. That was a big deal. Yeah, well, and the cold case investigator determined that there was no new evidence from the pictures. It was still, you know, uh, ruled as a, a suicide. Of, a lot of shots of his balls. <laughs> yeah, the, like the, the pictures are just, yeah, they just have more description. Like you can still see like the bracelet and yeah. uh, oh, they're yeah, pictures. The, the medical. The, they're pictures of, of the, the crime, crime scene. scene. Yes, yeah. yes. I just, I just, there's a, in my head. I made that it was just un uh, undeveloped film, just in this house. Oh, no, they, yeah, have, yeah. they have the the rest of a of a, yeah, a, a one shot camera that just, they have to get. Just, gotta a, finish out the roll. Yeah, it's just a lot of yeah, it's a lot of just vacation photos. <laughs> uh, and that is all I have. It was uh, yeah, really bummer. Unless you want to hear uh, uh, Novoselic and Grohl's feelings on Guitar Hero Five. Because there's, well, there's a playable character named Co- or that that's Kurt Cobain, but they're like not happy about it because you can use him to sing any songs, even like songs with like lead female vocalists and stuff. And it's just kind of they're like that's just not what he would have wanted at all. Yeah, but they have a lot of that stuff. Like his his diary mm-hmm. got released, and the mm-hmm. very first page of the diary is, "If you find this, please do not like share it, publish mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. all this stuff." It's like these are my personal yeah. thoughts. Yeah, someone's like, "Oh, publish!" <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, that's that's the thing with a lot of these people where it's just anyone tries to like oh they're they're dead let me capitalize on that yeah and then yeah it's not what they wanted but they're dead so whatever anyway speaking um, of dead Am- people we got Amy one Winehouse more. I don't I don't have a lot on Amy Winehouse and the reason I'm not going to go into depth is because she was so recent she died in 2011 and so I feel like there's less history and less I mean there will be eventually but we'll just get into it uh, she was born in London 1983. Bought her first guitar at the age of 14 and began writing music a, a year later at the age of 15. Her debut album in 2003 was Frank. Um, this is just kind of, I was just going through kind of her museology and like stuff, musicology. Discography. Discography. I was just going through stuff she released and... Discography. Basically like... Musicology. I don't know. Museology. Uh, so Musology. in 2007... Yeah. Study of muses. Uh, 2007 kind Rehab... Uh, rehab came out and that brought her more fame in the United States in 2007. And this is about the time she's entering this. There's not as much, you know, broken childhood and stuff like that. Like her parents were very loving. They were very supportive. She did have a family that was very big into music, her grandmother and stuff like that. Uh, she did go through school going through like 
uh, learning how to sing and learning how to perform and learning how to play music and all of that stuff. I think she went to like a, like a specific like arts school. It's almost like, like a Juilliard of England yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Like a, um, a she did. Program. I do believe she did basically drop out or she got expelled or whatever at the age of like 15 from the high school she was in and they enrolled her into this more mm-hmm. artistic one um but rehab was named as the best song of 2007 by time magazine that a good tune. that's a great that's tune. Good, it's super catchy well, especially in that era i hated most of the radio pop music and well that was a, and the thing will say it. like she kind of got lumped in with pop musicians but one thing i found on, on reading about her is that people did say how talented she was as far as her ability to play instruments and her ability to sing correctly they said she could have just been an opera singer as much as she could have been a pop singer because she had the voice and the talent and the ability to sing correctly rather than just kind of sounding good you know yeah. there was there was a style to her vocals that was correct when it came to traditional and classical music as well um, a tour in November of 2007, uh, right after Rehab came out as a song, she had to cancel the show because there were so many performances where she was booed off the stage because she was so intoxicated that she could not perform. She'd be stumbling around the stage trying to perform. Her father actually said that she had extreme nervousness when performing in front of others, and it led her to drink right before she'd go on, and it never ended well. And a lot of the times, the, the people there tried to keep up with her and try to be supportive, but a lot of the times, by the time the show was over, people were so upset with paying for what she did on stage. Right. So the she canceled it and basically tried to take care of herself. Then she went back into the public spotlight in 2008. She won Grammys for Record of the Year, Song of the Year, Best Female Pop Performance, Best Pop Vocal Album, Best New Artist. Uh, she has the record currently of the most Grammys ever won by a British female musician. Oh. Um, she started a European tour then in 2011, which again had to be canceled in the middle. Um, her spokespeople said she is canceling indefinitely. She's going to take as much time as needed to fix herself. I think this was a big story because she basically, there was a horrific performance of just her not being able to perform. And then she said, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take care of myself. And it was while she was taking care of herself that she died. Yeah. She said, I'm done with music. I got to take a step away. I'm going to get myself clean. She had a bunch of different assault charges while she was drunk. She just didn't handle alcohol well, as most yeah. people don't. But yeah. she, she, I, I could go through all of them, but it's basically she's in and out of jail throughout her musical career for assaulting different women or men who were also, right, it wasn't she was assaulting strangers, she was assaulting other musicians and yeah. stuff that were drinking at the time. No, no, it made her a, a big uh, a big name in, in the gossip things like i would know more about their gossip than her fucking music yeah you know, she was I, all I, over news stations and stuff for this is what she did again while drunk like that's and, it, and was, it was so much more focused on her life outside of music as opposed yeah. to and that's why people didn't see her as being talented they saw her as this music diva because of all these bad right. stories rather than hey she's talented and then, and then i remember when she died too because i mean you said it in the first episode too where it was like she died and everyone's just like oh she's in the 27 club and right. it was just and it, but yeah. sadly though people seemed not pleased by it, but it was kind of just like... It was, it was almost like, a badge of honor, which it shouldn't but, be. But and her that, parents even came out and said, like, please don't celebrate her dying at 27 of yeah. alcoholism. Yeah, and then there were a lot of people just being like, well, you know, it's not really a surprise. And it's just like, that shouldn't be the right. the way you look at it. I yeah. Mean, you know, but... So her actual death, the she had a bodyguard. The bodyguard said she was up watching TV and drinking until like 2 in the morning. He went to check on her at 10 a.m. It wasn't out of the ordinary for her to still be in bed at 10 a.m., um, so yeah, so she was she was asleep in bed at 10 a.m. He left. He came back at 3 p.m. and she was in the exact same position in bed. So that's when he went into the room, checked her, found no pulse, no breathing, called 911. It's another time of the coroner, death by misadventure, again. Uh-huh. Um, 
she had a blood alcohol content estimated at the time of her death of 0.416. Oh, Jesus. Wow. Which I think the record for someone to live is somewhere around 0.5 set by a Russian man that he had 0.5 blood alcohol content and survived. Makes sense. So 0.416, that's... She's not a that's big... That's bordering. She's not a big person. No, she's no. A tiny, very tiny. She's a tiny And that's, tiny that's the person. point of, like, your body can't do that. It's, 50, it it's almost 50% alcohol. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Your blood is almost half, half alcohol. That's crazy. Bananas. Um, so she was 0.416 at the time of her death. Um, and that's, that's how it was found. Again, looking back, like, just... I, I never got into her music, but... Just the number of musicians even researching that said how talented she could have been because she did write her own stuff. She did play her own instruments. She did have a voice that could have done so much more. Um, again, it was just a case of I, she suffered from alcoholism. and Yeah. And she she's also one of those that, like, we were talking about most of the other members of the 27 Club, how they had uh, a lot of uh, content packed into. She didn't quite have as much. But if you do, like... Just you scour YouTube sometime. Nearly any, like, don't look up the alcohol stuff, but, like, if you look up, like, her actual performances or, like, she'll do, or where she did, like, a small concert where she did, like, some covers and stuff. She's so good to listen to. Like, well, it's so, like, and, it's and so her, pleasant. Her musical nice career is actually probably one of the longest of the people we've talked about. She was actually famous in the UK as of, like, mm-hmm. 2004, seven years yeah. before her death. It wasn't until 2006, 2007 she started getting recognition in the United States. Yeah. Um, but she was much. She won a lot of awards in 2005 in the UK before anyone even knew who she was over here. Yeah. Um, but that that's all I had. I didn't want to go too long on that yeah. one. So okay. That's well. We gotta wrap this thing up. But uh, this all right. It's just somber. It's just yeah. It's somber, yeah. yeah. No. It's and that's and and just thoughts on the month. Uh, yeah. I was gonna super say. For, for for me. I'm glad I picked it. Uh, I would probably give it a second thought if I was going to do it again. Like, I, I, I really enjoyed the topic. I'm, oh, maybe oh, not enjoyed. Kind of. <laughs> I mean, that's the wrong word, but I, I found it super intriguing. No, it's interesting. It's, it's informative. Information. Yeah, it was very informative. No, and, and we were all just like, no, that's a good topic. And it, I think still it is a good topic. It's it's just hard to, to pull fun out of it sometimes when yeah. you are just reading about these short lives. But the, the yeah. reason I did enjoy it and I thought it was a good topic and I still think it was, it, it did what it was supposed to do is I know how much, like it was your birthday month, munch. it was your birthday month and I know how much you kind of wanted to bring music into this and yeah. I think it's a really good topic to, to kind of mesh just really big times in music with a lot of history and it, and it came together really well. No, I liked it. And a we, lot of, it yeah. went a lot of, uh, just a, a lot of them, a lot of the 27 Club were really associated with counterculture yeah yeah and i, I think i find that intriguing but as well. uh but also i want to know uh your first time running a topic how how'd that shit feel uh the worst <laughs> uh, <laughs> the thing is is like i i would gladly be responsible for one bit of research in the month or like one of the sessions but when i was in charge of all of them i started panicking it's, no, it is. It's and nonsense. i started i didn't even and again, I said it. I said it. I think one of our last sessions or one of our last episodes. Like, I respect the shit out of you guys for well, doing and, that. And, more and, often. Even, and like, and, and I wouldn't. I don't even think I did a great job on mine with just being able to have the research and knowing how you want to tie it. I think the mm-hmm. only one who really was successful with Steven is because it was game shows, and that's yeah. what he lives. So What's the game show month again? I'm fine I, with that. <laughs> I also, I also would like to say though, like this is the first time I've done it, and I, I'm trying to, you know. Uh, maybe give myself a little credit, but like this is the first time I've done it. Steve has also been doing it for almost a no, year. No, and now. you showed up ready today. Yeah, like today. that's more than a, you could have covered an hour on Kurt Cobain. So. I probably could. I mean, we almost 
did yeah, we're, 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 yeah. we're wrapping we're, up now. We're over, but uh, but yeah, like we said, uh, we wanted to. Even though there is another Tuesday in May, but we wanted to wrap up because uh, we want to do this. This is actually our fiftieth episode. Happy fifty, guys! Yeah, wow, fiftieth episode. Totally this is our fiftieth episode. Yeah. Yep. Um, but so we knew this landed here. So our next episode is going to be our fifty-first episode special. It's going to be yep. a, a little special. We'll episode. look back. We'll look back there. and just pull some silly shit, and we're going to just fuck around a little bit. It's not going to be topic-based. It's but, uh, too bad you guys are going to miss it. There's going to be a banner and confetti and cake. It. We're going to release it. We're gonna... Well, yeah, but they won't see the banner. There's going to be a magician in the background. Um, they won't be able to see that. You guys Fireworks. Dropped, you guys dropped way too much money on this. I, I didn't and think you know ahead. What? It's <laughs> it's going to be an occasion, okay? And I like to celebrate occasions. I brought champagne and Rohypnol, so... <laughs> oh, 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 and I brought, I brought, a, I brought a, a syringe full of... Uh, what is that word? It was a... But, uh, and then, uh, and, and if you don't listen to our 51st episode spectacular, our, uh, our June topic is going, we're actually going to be revisiting old mm-hmm. topics from the last year because this is our, our year birthday. We're, yeah, yeah. It's our anniversary. June is, June is officially the start of our second year. So we're going to yep. go back and revisit some old topics, but, uh, we'll tell, we're going to talk more about that in the next episode, the mm-hmm. 51st episode spectacular. So, uh, so listen to that and you'll know more and then. Go have a good yeah. Time. Go, go if if you're not subscribed already. Uh, oh yeah, do all uh, yeah. Let us know what you think about whatever ever it, at uh, uh, advancedbspodcast at gmail Follow us on Twitter at advancedbsfacebook.com advancedbs. Uh, you should probably subscribe on the iTunes and give us the reviews and follow us in SoundCloud and just and just you know burn it onto CDs and then yeah. throw them at strangers on out the street. Out of buses. Drive, yeah, just out of out of moving vehicles and yep. just and just throw it and just 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 go just go the bo- the, the boys from advanced bs sent me yep. and then they get winged and then get that, and then we get sued yep get some advanced bs tattoos all that fun mm-hmm. stuff yeah i like it i like it there's no, there's no pun there i want nope. to have one nope. Nope. um <laughs> hey i'm gonna go ahead and just stop recording now. okay Thank bye, you, bye.